Hey, it's Lovett, and I'm on my way to your city. And by on my way, I mean I'm still in the shower, but still, about to head out. Love It or Leave It Live on Tour is heading all over the country. We'll be in Charlotte, Asheville, Boston, Madison, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. And if we're not coming to your city this time, I'm sorry, the country is too big. Take it up with the pioneers. To learn more and get tickets, head to crooked.com slash events. Baltimore-ish. <laughs> Welcome to Love It or Leave It, live or else. Coming to you from a state made famous for food Jews are forbidden from eating. <laughs> we have got a great show for you tonight. Dave Weigel is here to give us a midterm update. Alexandra Petri of the Washington Post will decide in our time and for all of history who has owned the most sacred of moniker, which is Girl Boss. Plus, we'll hear your high notes Spin the rant wheel and put Baltimore up against your toughest rival, Autumn. <laughs> I'd also like to shout out Martin, the manager from the Cheesecake Factory, who we met last night. <laughs> Love you too. I don't like coming to a city without trying its best restaurant. <laughs> and then I, today I went to its second best restaurant, the P.F. Chang's next door. But first, let's get into it. What a week. (laughs) President Joe fucking Biden announced on Thursday that he will be pardoning all prior federal offenses in simple marijuana possession, a major step in the fight towards legalization. White House insiders say Biden weighed this decision for several days while chilling in his beanbag chair and absolutely blasting his ragtime records. He said he had been procrastinating and just needed a vibe shift to figure out how to unlock. In his pardon, Biden urged state governors to issue the same pardon for state-level offenses. Said the president, no one should be in local jail or state prison for the same reason. The federal pardon will clear anyone with a federal conviction of simple possession of marijuana dating back to when the law was passed in the 1970s. Unfortunately, Biden's pardon makes an exception for his old nemesis, Corn Pop. (laughs) Let the grudge die, Joe. You're both old men. GOP Congresswoman Nancy Mace even praised Biden for the decision on Fox News. Well, I, I want to give credit where credit is due. I don't always agree with the Biden administration. I've been very vocal about that. But this is a step in the right direction. Nancy and Joe then went to 7-Eleven and split a $5 pizza, <laughs> which is fucking good. And people who've never had it think it's gross, but it's good. The 7-Eleven pizza is surprisingly good. How many people here have had 7-Eleven pizza? You're my people. How many people have eaten 7-Eleven pizza on their way to the gym? I'm broken. Meanwhile, after Georgia Senate candidate Herschel Walker claimed he had no idea which anonymous person could possibly be saying that he paid for her abortion, the woman gave the Daily Beast permission to report that she is the mother of one of his children. This is like watching a very public, very high-stakes game of Guess Who. (laughs) Herschel, the person you reimburse for her abortion does not wear glasses. (laughs) 
In an email to supporters, Walker's campaign called the report a flat-out lie and asked supporters to donate in solidarity, raising more than $500,000 as of Wednesday. And after the cost of all the abortions is deducted, there's like 50K left for ads <laughs> that say Warnock will abolish the police and use the money to do top surgeries on unsuspecting teens. That's what the ads are. I don't, I, don't, I don't write the ads. I'm just describing what the ads are. Speaking to Hugh Hewitt on Thursday, Walker continued to call the allegations totally untrue, saying, I know nothing about any woman having an abortion. But then somehow Herschel Walker ended the same interview by saying, if it had happened, I wouldn't have said it. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. People have done that. <laughs> it's like, someone has to tell him, Herschel, sit down there. You're for a national abortion ban. You think you are paying for murders. This isn't a game. It's not like pointing a gun at your wife's head. This is serious. <laughs> the ongoing scandal has not gone unnoticed by Georgia Republicans. Here's what Republican Lieutenant Governor Rick Duncan had to say. At the end of the day, I think the most attractive feature of a, of a great leader is being intellectually honest. And, and if we're being intellectually honest, Herschel Walker uh, won the primary because he scored a bunch of touchdowns back in the 80s, and he was Donald Trump's friend. And now we've moved forward several months on the calendar, and that's no longer a recipe to win. No notes. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he hit the nail on the head, that guy. Over. <laughs> of course, just keeping in mind, Herschel Walker's sin is not being a hypocrite who paid for abortions. His sin is not doing it in a way that will allow him to continue to win the election. No sin in Republican politics except losing. Over half of all GOP candidates on the ballot this November for the House, Senate, and key statewide races have denied or questioned Joe Biden's victory in the 2020 election, according to a Washington Post analysis. But don't think of it as the glass as half fascist. Think of it as half too afraid of fascists to say anything. Optimism. A Christian pastor from Ohio was arrested for participating in the January 6th riot, having been identified by the company logo visible on his jacket. It's not fair, however. He was just there to give Mike Pence last rites. I think that's what a pastor should do. He wants Mike Pence, when they're going to hang him and fucking kill him, he should have a chance to, you know, be with a pastor and have that moment. I think it's honorable on some level. They were trying to kill Mike Pence. Meanwhile, the Secret Service, taking Vice President Kamala Harris to work on Monday, hit a curb of a D.C. tunnel hard enough that the tire needed to be replaced, and the motorcade was brought to a standstill. The time to change this tire is now, said the Vice President, and also always into the future. <laughs> While visiting parts of Florida that were hit hard by Hurricane Ian, President Biden was caught on a hot mic during an exchange with Mayor of Fort Myers Beach and was recorded saying this. No one fucks the Yeah, goddamn right. <laughs> Sorry, it's comes across like muttering, but he did say, <laughs> he said, no one fucks with a Biden, is what President Biden said. Uh, sure. No one fucks with a Biden except a Biden, said Hunter with a wink while filming a documentary about his efforts to launch a cyclocybin soda brand with his new business partner, Casey Anthony. Not looking forward to that new cycle. <laughs> After reaching a settlement between Alec Baldwin and the estate of Helena Hutchins, the cinematographer who was killed on set, the movie Rust will officially continue production in January. You know this means it's going to do well at the box office because of all the controversy, but I still think it's good that Billy didn't shoot Guy on the set of Bros. <laughs> Let gay art bomb, I say. <laughs> it's okay. I'm saying that even if it would have helped the film, I'm glad that Billy Eichner didn't shoot my dear friend Guy Branham 
on the set of the film Bros. <laughs> Thank you. Don't applaud. What are you applauding exactly? <laughs> Explanations? <laughs> also, I just want everyone here to know something. If Alec Baldwin ever shoots me during a podcast recording, don't keep making the podcast. If anyone tells you Lovett would have wanted us to continue, know that that's a lie. There is nothing more insulting to me than the fact that the earth will continue after I'm dead. In the latest episode of The Great British Bake Off, the hosts and contestants had a little trouble with something they called Mexican Week. You've got a pico de gallo. Pico de gallo. Pico de gallo. Pico de gallo. So is Mexico a real place? So, well, I think it's like Xanadu. Like Oz? Yeah, like Cleethorpes. Yeah. Okay. Where to put the glocky molo? Although I don't feel like we should make Mexican jokes because people get upset. Well, not even one. <laughs> Yikes. But you gotta hand it to them. We aren't talking about Peru drowning kittens anymore. Egyptian archaeologists are calling for the return of the Rosetta Stone after being on display at the British Museum for about 200 years. They should return it. They're not even using it. You just heard how they pronounce Pico de Gallo. <laughs> I got him back. I got him back. We're going to be okay. We're going to continue the show. Vatican police detained an American tourist after he damaged two ancient Roman busts by hurling them to the floor. According to reports, he was angry about not being allowed to see the Pope. When reached for comment, a spokesperson for the tourist, named Rudy Giuliani, said, I'm sorry I have to go. My client, Rudy Giuliani, just came out of the bathroom and everyone is barfing. A Southwest pilot sued the airline for retaliating against her after she reported a former colleague for deadbolting the cockpit door, putting the plane on autopilot, stripping naked in front of her, and watching porn on his laptop. And I'm sorry to be the person to break this to all of you. It was Sully Sullenberger. Uh, it's a real bummer. It's a real bummer. Southwest issued a statement saying, we're sorry this behavior took place in the cockpit. We expect this kind of shit from our passengers, but not our pilots. <laughs> The pilot is no longer working for Southwest, so he was out technically fired. After the incident became public, he was recruited by the CEO of Spirit Airlines. Uh, the CEO of Spirit Islands is, as we all know, Senor Frog. The party frog. Runs the airline. Ribbit, ribbit. Get them closer together. <laughs> ribbit, ribbit. No packs. <laughs> And finally, Princess Anne took a ride on the Staten Island Ferry during a visit to New York this week. The lengths women will go to date Pete Davidson are astounding to me. <laughs> when we come back, we've got an update on the midterms from reporter Dave Weigel. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Are you like me and tracking the polls obsessively this election year? Well, Dan Pfeiffer's right there with you, and he's taking them seriously, but not literally. Take an average of the polls. Don't forget about any one poll. And the thing that we try to tell everyone in every episode of this podcast is a poll that has Biden up to and a poll that has Biden down to, they all tell you the exact same thing, which is this is a very, very close race. The goal of this podcast is to help people understand polling and freak out about it just a little bit less. Explore the latest polls, what they actually mean, and whether or not it's time to hit the panic button. Tune into Polar Coaster with Dan Pfeiffer, Cricket's latest subscriber exclusive show. To get access, subscribe to our Friends of the Pod community only at cricket.com slash friends. Hey, 
it's love it and I'm on my way to your city. And by on my way, I mean I'm still in the shower, but still about to head out. Love It or Leave It Live on Tour is heading all over the country. We'll be in Charlotte, Asheville, Boston, Madison, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. And if we're not coming to your city this time, I'm sorry, the country is too big. Take it up with the pioneers. To learn more and get tickets, head to crooked.com slash events. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com store to shop. Here to talk about the talk of the town that we can't stop talking about. Ugh. Ugh, I hated that. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Dave Weigel. Yeah. Hi, Dave. So you're just back from Wisconsin. I took literally a plane, train, and automobile to get here nice. from Wisconsin. Thank yes. you for doing that. Everybody, yes. Dave, give you that's a trip. First of all, just general reactions, like anything just from being on the ground about the race between Mandela Barnes and Ron Johnson. Yeah, my take would be it looks great for Democrats in Maryland. This is my take oh, on no. how this looks. <laughs> I don't like it. I was there for a fairly rough patch. People in the audience are probably reading stories about it. If you're in Wisconsin, it's pretty nonstop. Uh, TV is, you know, some sports. Uh, maybe some local news about crime, and they just nonstop ads about Mandela Barnes saying to fund the police a bunch of times, like in 2020. When I was there, the governor called a special session. I don't know if people are familiar with this new tradition in Wisconsin where the governor calls a special session on some issue, and the Republicans gavel the session to completion in, like, literally less than 10 seconds. They'll show up, they'll take the gavel, they won't say anything. No one gets to say anything. They have, he tried to do one on an abortion ballot referendum, because that would win. That would be a big deal, because Wisconsin has this 1849 law that bans abortion on the books, Everyone wants to get rid of it. Not everyone's 65% of people. Republicans won't let it happen. It's funny because Ron Johnson says, great idea. I'd love it for that to happen. But both Evers and Barnes are in pretty precarious positions, and Barnes has been slipping. And if you talk to Democrats in, in Washington, they worry this would happen with Barnes. They like him, but just if you have 30 seconds worth of clips over the years of you saying, like, maybe don't fund the police as much as you fund them now, that is toxic. They don't have a great response to it. So just so people understand, Tony Evers is the Democratic governor. That's right. The legislature is very gerrymandered, and they have a, a huge Republican majority. They cannot lose. Like, they, right. they'll regularly get, like, 45% of the vote and win two-thirds of the seats. Which is, a, I think, a harbinger of things to come nationally. That is, Wisconsin has been the proving ground for a lot of the policies we're seeing across the country. So, basically, there's wall-to-wall -wall ads by Ron Johnson against Mandela Barnes, yes. accusing him of being soft on crime, and that crime message. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between what's happening in Wisconsin versus what's happening, say, in Pennsylvania? Yeah, because both those campaigns turned to crime in the last two weeks. I mean, Republicans saved up their money, then they let it loose. The difference is John Fetterman's running in Pennsylvania, Mandela Bard's running in Wisconsin. They both were lieutenant governors for just four years, but they have different careers. They both responded quickly, but the Fetterman response is, I was mayor of a small town, look at my arm with the tattoos, marking the people who died in the town, I fought crime. And the Barnes response has been a little bit of a response and pivoting. What they will say, and this is really frustrating Democrats, is literally 
Wisconsin Democrats, the governor, Barnes, everybody wants to fund local governments more. I mean, if you are a defund the police person, just Democrats aren't, they're not there right now. The Biden position, everyone's position is hire more cops. And they keep trying to pass more funding and Republicans won't let them do it. They want to just fund the cities so they can hire more law enforcement, mental health, what have you. They won't do it. So their response is, hey, we actually want to spend more money on police. You're the guy who voted against the American Rescue Plan. You're the guy who doesn't want to fund cops. And let's talk about abortion instead. And that has been less effective than Fetterman saying, like, look, guy from New Jersey, I was a mayor fighting crime in my city. I don't need a lecture on this. That has been a little bit more effective. Look, and also one guy is white, one guy is black. That probably plays some role in this. But that has been more effective, yeah. What is the Barnes campaign doing to respond or change the story? Like, you know, obviously the summer was about, I think, a series of accomplishments by Joe Biden, mm-hmm. as well as the Dobbs decision. We saw a kind of rush of enthusiasm towards Democrats. There's a question now of how much that remains. Is the Barnes campaign trying to kind of shift things back to economic policy, get people talking about abortion, or what's happening? They've been talking about the economy the whole time. I mean, all his first introduction ads were, I'm a kid from the poorest zip code in the, in the state, sometimes in the country. There's commercials of him walking through a supermarket, picking stuff up, talking about budget costs. So he's been doing that to diffuse that. And I mentioned abortion. That's been the thing. It's saying, like, this is an existential election. You either can have a Senate that won't ban abortion or won't vote on a ban. For governor, it's like you can have me as the last bulwark against this Republican majority or you can't. They've been trying to frame it as this existential election and say these things that like 70% of you want, even if you're annoyed with Democrats, we're the only way you can get any of that done. And they'll say, like, what's the advantage of us of responding every day on crime? Because look, the issue has changed from month to month. Like a year ago, in Wisconsin, it was critical race theory. Like, there are all these local school board elections, superintendent of education election that was, like, save the kids from learning about reading the 1619 Project, and now it's crime. So they do feel we can take things back. Maybe you're angry about crime right now, but the thing in Wisconsin, not to get too weedsy about it, is that in crime for, like, rural conservative voters where there has not been an increase in crime, crime equals Milwaukee. Crime is... The city is out of control. Things are spinning out of control. Republicans are very blatant in the state about using this Waukesha, uh, you know, Christmas parade massacre where this guy drove through a crowd killing people who's on trial right now. So that's in the news every day. And they say, yeah, well, Democrats did that. (laughs) Democrats, because they support cashless bail, the reason that people are able to get out of prison and commit more crimes is Democratic policies. They are very blatant just saying Democrats equal crime, crime equals Democrats. Democrats have fought for an issue that is popular, and you're right. You were talking about the summer. It definitely was dominating in the summer. It is not dominating as much now. The other thing that's been happening is Tammy Baldwin, senator from Wisconsin, was leading this effort to get a vote to ratify uh, gay marriage because obviously Clarence Thomas made clear in his concurring opinion in Dobbs that that's next. He wants to come after it. Mm -hmm. He's been a pretty good predictor of what this conservative court will do. Ron Johnson, strangely, at first was like, I don't see any any reason to be against it. He then walked that back. But clearly Ron Johnson is feeling some kind of pressure. And like from the outside... Ron Johnson, to me, has been one of the, like, he spreads COVID misinformation. He's really extreme. I mean, he was involved in handing along fake electors as part of the uh, effort to overturn the election. He's one of the most radical members of the Senate running in a purple state, a state Democrats can win. And yet, he's always managed to eke it out. What is it that people from the outside miss about Ron Johnson? Because when I, like, to me, Ron Johnson isn't that far off from a Dr. Oz or a Herschel Walker or a Blake Masters. I mean, he's very similar to Blake Masters. And yet... He seems to be kind of always have a little bit, a few more points behind him. It's just this brutal partisan math in Wisconsin. He is, appeals to some voters that I think nobody in this room maybe agrees with. He tells it like it is, stands up to the Democrats. He's a business guy, all that stuff. He has a genuine appeal with party electorate, but he has not been that popular kind of ever. And he has 
run. 2010 was a good year. 16 in Wisconsin was a good year. This, in some ways, is a good year. He puts together this coalition that is just ironclad. That is, the Milwaukee suburbs, he does better than a lot of people do there. The more rural conservative parts of the state, he wins there. And then he does better, and all Republicans are doing better, in kind of the Driftless region, the Southwest, in the North Country, in places that were Democratic like 10 years ago. He started to do better than when he ran in 2010, and he has just benefited from people who are tuning out on Democrats for all sorts of ways. I mean, people who voted, like, if you look at the map of Wisconsin in 2008, it was very Democratic. And there are a lot of people who bailed on the party for different cultural reasons, for being frustrated with the economy in 2009, 2010. They never came back. He starts every election, maybe his approval is 35. Republicans know he's going to be at like at least 48 on election day. And he builds from there. It's, I'm not that popular, but, and this is also classic, I'm not that popular, but wait until you're, I'm done with my opponent. I'm going to make him really unpopular. And that's what happened. Like, Barnes's negatives went up 15 points, really, once they started hitting him on crime. People didn't know a lot about him. I mean, he's lieutenant governor. No offense, lieutenant governors, but often people don't know a lot about them. And then it was, oh, this guy? This is the guy who has six or seven quotes talking about cashless bail? No, not him. That was a strategy, yeah. So it's locking back in all those rural conservatives, people in suburban Milwaukee for whom, you know, they don't think of themselves as being suburban Milwaukee. They are where they are to get away from Milwaukee. He's a guy from Milwaukee who wants cashless bail. I mean, it tells itself in these Republican ads. Are you a cheese curd guy? Do you like cheese curds when you're Oh, they're great. Yeah. yeah. I love them. I don't understand why they're not catching on. We live in a rapacious capitalist system. Yeah. Any food that people want year-round, you can get year-round. We figured out ways to get tomatoes year-round, figured out ways to get pumpkins year-round. What's going on? You need proximity to the cows. You need to is be really true? fresh. Is that true? I yeah. get plenty of cheese. That's what they tell me. That's Wisconsin. what they tell you. Yeah. That's on the ground reporting. <laughs> I, there is a curd belt. If you kind of start in, like, Illinois, go up to Canada, you can find them. And Canada has its own, you know, they're not fried because they're savages. Uh, that, that, they, that, that they put on poutine. Apart from that, I think we're just too far from cows. I mean, I didn't see any on, on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we got to the bottom of that. Uh, so, stepping back, my sort of sense of things is that no one knows what's going to happen. No one ever knows what's going to happen. But this election, for whatever reason, feels like a midterm with a very flat probability curve. That polling has become more and more unreliable. That there is this sense in which Republicans have a wind in their backs more broadly because it's an off-year election and a Democratic president, Democratic Congress, because of inflation, because of a kind of sourness in the country after two years of a pandemic. And yet, post-Dobbs, we've seen a few key elections, not polls, where in Kansas we saw an incredibly surprising and, from my point of view, positive outcome that said, wow, there's a big majority here that's pro-choice and willing to turn out. We've seen some uh, special elections that have had the same results. So what I see is polling that kind of is pretty mixed, a general environment that is very tough for Democrats with these kind of points of real-world testing in which Democrats did better than they thought. From being on the ground, from what you're seeing, do you view the underlying dynamics as carrying more sway right now, or do you think that there is this kind of hard-to-see but real Dobbs effect that could manifest in November? There is a Dobbs effect, and it's uh, not that hard to see. You mentioned the special elections. I was covering the one in New York 19 where Republicans released polling really right after the Dobbs decision but before much campaigning that said they were up 15 points, and by the end they lost by four. And they have reasons they'll say they lost, but it really was it was as simple as there were a lot of suburban, and that's like the Hudson Valley, a lot, a lot of voters who maybe moved from New York, they're liberally inclined, but maybe they don't vote in special elections, maybe in a midterm where they're feeling depressed, and they were very depressed like six months ago, when it looked like Biden was getting nothing done. They weren't going to vote. They weren't turning out. And the way the coalitions have shifted, it's bad for Democrats in some places, but in any place where there's a bunch of people who are suburban and you know pay attention to news, and they're not like even happy with Biden, 
like Democrats all over the place are running well ahead of Biden's approval because they just are alienated from this version of the Republican Party. Republicans should be doing better given the advantages they have. The economy approval right now, even though unemployment's 3.5%, is like in the 30s, lower sometimes. You just have a lot of voters who are going to vote and say, eh, I'm paying more for some stuff, but I don't want abortion be banned forever. And that's enough for them to vote. Like, Republicans have benefited from this for generations. The people who are like, I've never been doing better than I am under Bill Clinton, but, you know, I want to save the baby, so I'm going to vote Republican. There is that vote out there. In a lot of coverage, it's seen as less legit. Like, well, this will fade at some point, right? This won't be real at some point. I found that in New York, where people saying, they can't possibly just run every election on abortion. It's kind of cringy. Well, the subject will change. But there's that voter who says, like, no, if I stay home, we're in dystopia. And, and some of those democracy voters, the same thing. There are like swing voters who hate Democrats at the moment. Maybe they'll hate them forever. A lot of like Latino working class, white working class, but they won't all vote. And everyone who has that profile, who's like pretty comfortable, maybe a little bit less comfortable than they, they used to be. Maybe their portfolio is not as good, but like they went to college or they're liberal in some ways. Like they're just not going to vote Republican. They will turn out. And that's given them a cushion in a lot of places. Last question. Dr. Oz, uh, <laughs> it seems like Dr. Oz thought, I'll run for Senate in a Republican year. It'll be fun. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's been as fun as he hoped. Now, he's met lots of great people. If you look at his Instagram, they look the, everyone's having fun. Was he campaigning with Hitler's car or Hitler's car was in the background? Uh, that happened today. Well, you know, it's the kind of thing, you know... Sometimes it just shows up. I mean, you put, I don't put, think put they gas brought, in it, drive it I around. I think he yeah. went to Hitler's car. I don't think right. Hitler's car moves anymore. But yes, for those uh, who didn't see earlier, he did do a fundraiser, and the backdrop was Hitler's car. It was with Matt Gates's, I think, in-laws. Is that right? Is he married? That doesn't make sense. Uh, he's a creep. He did, yeah. No, some people is. related to Matt Gates. Well, he and he's been doing the thing where he campaigns with super conservative folks in some part of the state, liberal folks in some part of the state. Doesn't campaign with Doug Mastriano. I don't think he would bet on having a running mate who was going to be losing by twenty points. That hasn't helped. Yeah, and it's a shame, right? Because Doug Mastriano is going to pray and fast until election day, but it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like he's brought Doctor Oz into that. It seems like it's just for his own race. Mm-hmm. He's never says stay home and fast and pray so that the ticket wins. Oh yeah, when I was I was in Pittsburgh when DeSantis was there and it was a Republican unity rally, but just with Mastriano. And at one point, there's big applause for Mastriano and DeSantis says, point. and also it's important to vote for Dr. Oz. You know primaries are rough. The way he talks about it, everyone in the room was a little bit unhappy that they had to, might have to vote for this guy. No, he's generally unpopular. People don't understand why their choice as a Republican is this guy who is a TV quack. That is still how they view him, a guy who is not from the state. That has been harmful. He definitely thought he was going to coast Republican year in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, that made sense. I would, if I was going to be paid by a self-funded candidate to consult for him, I would tell him, yes, this is the year to run. Good thing you didn't do it in 2018, but sure, do it now. And, and he just doesn't have any connection to the state. He's trying to build one really quickly, but that has been the problem. It was supposed to be a glide path to the Senate, and it's not one. It's not easy for Fetterman, but like easier than it should be in a year like this. Yeah, we really caught a break there. I hope we win. Mastriano and Oz being very bad, like in the same way that like it'll be hard to explain to future generations. Like, yeah, like for whatever reason, Trump came after Obama because this guy named Jim Comey was too tall and couldn't understand... <laughs> Humility, and then, oh, but by the way, then we managed to hopefully save democracy because it turns out that Republicans nominated a fucking TV quack who killed dogs as part of, like, a fucking medical experiment for no reason. If he wins, he'll be one of two members of Congress who murdered animals for medical experiments because there's, there's a Democrat in Detroit who won the primary who 
in, two, in his last two races, everyone said, we can't possibly vote for him. And then he's like, what if I run a primary with 20 candidates and I'll only need like 20% of the vote? Turns out, 20% of people love killing dogs. Not in this room. Not here. But... You gotta find the right district. But the, yeah, uh, I, you, no one knows what's a killer anymore, I have to say. Like, we don't not know is like what thing you can do that people don't like that will say, oh, I'm out now. Didn't it's very Bill tough Frist, remember when Bill Frist got, had a scandal because as a kid he would catch neighborhood cats and do experiments? Yeah. Serial killers and senators. The only thing they have in common, I think. Yeah. yeah. And they get played by hotter people when there are movies about them. That's when I too. Uh, Dave Weigel, everybody check out Semaphore and subscribe to his newsletter, Americana. Dave, thank you so much for being here. When we come back, girl power. And we're back. My next guest shares an odious task with Love It or Leave It, which is trying to make something funny from the planet's unceasing cycle of terrible news. And if that wasn't hard enough, she does it for the Washington Post. <laughs> Welcome to the stage. The phenomenal Alexander Petri. Hi. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Hello. You were at one of our first DC live shows yeah. back in the day. Back in the day, indeed. So much has changed. Everything has changed. But some things, they stayed the same. I disagree. I think actually everything is different. <laughs> uh, so, as you're writing a column every week that is funny, and it is very funny. Oh, thank you. Really, one of the funniest. Are there topics that you find insurmountable? Because we do. Oh, yeah, 100%. Mostly, like, if something's not funny, you don't want to write a funny column about it because then you're just a monster. <laughs> so right, that's a good point. That really limits your options, given the world. Um, so it's a lot of, like, puns. Um, that's the only joke that's, like, usually, like, very sweet and hopeful is the pun. Yeah, the pun's always there. I'm the pun also rises. The pun. Nice. Nice. Uh, how often do you go to a place we call the Rhyme Zone to look for puns? Because I do it more often than I'd like to admit. Oh, the rhymezone.com? Yeah. Oh, my favorite, like, bookmark. It's, like, one of the top ten websites that my computer suggests to me when I open the browser. As two people in the pun business, <laughs> the Rhyme Zone is a secret weapon. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, lyrics, anything you need, just go to rhymezone.com. Yeah. And uh, I hope they can spot. Do they sponsor things? Can I become a rhymezone.com? If you're listening to this show right now and you're in any way involved with the Rhyme Zone, <laughs> from within the depths of the Rhyme Zone, if they have the internet there in the Rhyme Zone, the kind of <laughs> tesseract, hall of mirrors, nightmare space, five dimensional string theory Rhyme Zone. If you can get away from General Zod for five seconds yeah. <laughs> and send us a note, we'd love to be sponsored by you. Yeah, same. <laughs> when Meghan McCain tweeted about the Brothers of Italy fascist, everyone wants a woman in power until it's a conservative woman in power, do you think there was any irony or self-awareness? I have to hope not. There's an element of, like, hopefully you're doing your best and, you're, and then you notice other people seeing what you're doing it, like when I'm driving I feel like that's sort of how she feels sort of moving through the world because like I will be driving and little children will be like why is that person so bad at driving and that's how you find out yeah exactly it's like I just think I'm doing the best and then people notice the patterns so you think that's what's happening for Megan McCain and her tweets I hope that, so that that's your hope. Yeah. Your hope is that she's sincerely throwing these views into the world and then only discovering by their reaction 
much like you driving into a 7-Eleven, that there's been a blunder. Yeah, that or it's like deliberate, but on the internet, somebody deliberately trolling just doesn't seem... Doesn't seem right. Plausible. It's never been seen, never been done. God help us if anyone figures out that they can do that. Yeah. What'll happen to us then? Chaos. Chaos. Mayhem. Mayhem. Panic. Probably. Maybe not panic. I think panic was too far. Panic. Potentially. Maybe panic. Now it's time for a game. Oh. We call Girl Boss Gatekeep Gaslight Global. Ooh. Spicy girl power. Here's how this works. We will show you a powerful woman along with some pros and cons, and it will be your job to rank this person using our patented tier system, which you can see here. It runs from... (laughs) The best you can obviously be is a girl boss, but you can also achieve a wing conference room being named after you, an episode of Gutsy now streaming on Apple Plus, or just one drop, the Elizabeth Holmes Hall of Shame. (laughs) Those are the maximum points. That's the best a person can do. I have to say, I miss the wing. There used to be a wing right next to my favorite coffee shop, and you could steal the wing's Wi-Fi if you sat there. Wow. Because the coffee shop itself had no Wi-Fi. Anyway. Shameful. uh, And that's why I miss the wing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First up, we have Italian Prime Minister Georgia Maloney. The very first female Italian prime minister, that's a pro. The con, first female prime minister was already vowed to turn back immigrants who arrive on boats. Pro, she's also the first female leader of the Brothers of Italy. Con, the Brothers of Italy is a far-right political party co-founded by Maloney herself. Pro, believes in God, family, country. Con, God, family, country has been adopted as a fascist motto. What do you think? Now, I hate all these, like, sequel fascists. The regular fascists, we, we dealt with them, but now everybody's like, in Europe, there are still places where you can have an additional fascist party, where they're like, what if we got back together and did like a little first order type deal, but yes. for like Mussolini, and I don't like it. Yeah, there is a real first order vibe, right? They're like, let's get the gang back together. People don't remember how bad it was. <laughs> Hillary Clinton said, the election of the first woman prime minister in a country always represents a break with the past, and that's certainly a good thing. Do you agree with that? Mmm... <laughs> Look, I think in the sense that all events represent a break with the past, it's technically not untrue. Like, I just broke with the past right now. And earlier, I took a dump, and that was breaking with the past. Um, I just feel like, yeah, it's a milestone. All events are milestones. But... This idea that any time a woman is the first to do something, it's inherently good, and like because of feminism, otherwise they put me in the special hell place where women go who don't support other women, and you have to be like, it was great that a woman led that doomed Arctic expedition, uh, or built that skull throne, or whatever it is women are doing now. It's like... Women are doing all kinds of things. Yeah. Like, where's our Jeffrey Dahmer, finally? You know, like... Right. It's actually not progress. One of the few good things about the past is that, like, if 100% of the people in the past had power answerable to their will, would the world have been a better or worse place? Because, like, women are people. That's the thing, John. And and I want you to know, I agree. And I've always said that. Uh, (laughs) On some level, what you're saying is, for most of history, 50% of people weren't allowed to be the truest and best and most authentic version of themselves. Some of those women would have killed a lot of people. Exactly. Yes. 
that's the thing. So it's like, is it, is it bittersweet? It's true. No. <laughs> you look at the past, it's like, okay. <laughs> Brian is just like, oh, I guess we'll leave this in. I don't know. <laughs> we got to put something out. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like Elizabeth Bathory was just like, you know, taking baths in the blood of 300 women at a time. Like, Goop could never. Um, but. Goop could never. Okay. Um, oh, I, I was supposed to be ranking people. So, <laughs> by the way, what's amazing is I don't know how this is possible, but we're about to talk about Elizabeth Bathory. That's literally the next name. Look at this. Whoa. Can you believe that? It's, Can you believe that? What are the, the odds that this was a game that was going to make the same reference? That's awesome. So now it's time to give this Italian fascist a ranking. Do you consider her a girl boss? Would you name a wing conference room after her? Would she get an episode of Gutsy now on Apple Plus? Uh, or the Elizabeth Holmes Hall of Shame? I have to give her the Holmes Hall of Shame. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Next up. Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Hey! What are the odds? Pro, Countess Elizabeth Bathory owned land in Hungary in the 1500s, which is pretty impressive. Con, she's accused, along with her four servants, of killing hundreds of young women between 1590 and 1610. I mean, I feel like her scale was... She was limited by her geographical reach, and... That's true. That's true. And also, at the time period, travel took a lot of time. So, like, how many people could she be really bringing in? Plus, like, a lot of this is men's rumors after the fact. Some um, of it's rumor. Yeah. Then again, she did it on her own steam, which I think gets girl boss points, because usually you have women who are, like, adjuncts to men, like the Lady Macbeth action, being like, right. go and do the murders. Killing. And she did the murders. So uh, Maybe not personally, facts. but, like... Countess Bathory managed her husband's estates during Hungary's war against the Ottomans, providing medical and other services to residents in the area. But Khan, over 300 people testified to her torture of daughters sent to her gynasium, don't love that, to no. learn court <laughs> etiquette. She earned several cool nicknames, like the Blood Countess or Countess Dracula, and the legend of her horrible deeds trickled down through history. Khan, she did play... <laughs> trickled down. Trickled down. She is alleged to have bathed in the blood of virgins. So, what, what well, do you think? Well, and slut-shaming. Like, <laughs> just adding another one. I'm going to give her a three. Yeah, all right, so we're going to give her an episode <laughs> of Gutsy. This is a very controversial take, because now I've ranked... I, did, I wasn't thinking when I started. I'm like, oh, no, maybe no, she, everyone's exciting. a four now. <laughs> I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Next up. Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake. She was a respected anchor in Phoenix, KSAZ, the Zaz. For, I don't know if that's how they say it. For 22 years, Khan, a legacy she tainted by sharing COVID misinformation all over her Facebook and Twitter in April of 2020. She did say abortion should be rare and legal, then immediately walked back saying abortion should be rare and legal because uh, she claimed it was taken out of context. The context being she forgot she but forgot she's for that a she's ban. against it being legal. Yeah. Uh, Pro has big Annette Benning in American Beauty if things gotten slightly different energy. <laughs> I can see it. I will ban this abortion today. <laughs> Khan once said Trump had BDE. Uh, what do you think? Do you ever feel like a plastic bag floating in the wind? Yeah. Wishing you could have an abortion, but Carrie Lake won't let you uh, for political expediency. You know, my ranking system is falling apart. I'm going to give her a two just because I want everyone to have a different ranking. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Next up, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a successful working mom of three. Currently going through a divorce while managing a challenging career. Wow. 
you know what people don't understand? Empathy's free. <laughs> Listen, I obviously don't share Marjorie Taylor Greene's politics. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene, as a con, once put her mouth up to the mail slot in AOC's office door at the Capitol and threatened her to get rid of your diaper. What a fucking kook. She co-founded a CrossFit gym in 2013. So, business. She called her fellow Republican senators, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, and Mitt Romney, pro-pedophile for supporting the confirmation of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson and declared, the Democrats are the party of pedophiles. What do you think? I, I don't think the Democrats are the party of pedophiles. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. We all appreciate that. But uh, what do you think? We, let's see. Are, she's a girl boss, or is she getting a wing conference room, or does she get an episode of Gutsy, or the Elizabeth Holmes Hall of Shame? Oh, man, I have to say I'm not a big fan of this person. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you hate to find it in yourself, but unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I, she just makes herself very difficult to love. Yeah, no, I know, it's hard, but that's and, what compassion's all about. It's not about the easy compassion cases, it's the hard cases. And I, I don't like how she has, like, the triple name thing going. I get it because you have, like, the whole sort of, you get your middle initial if you're, like, a notorious figure. Like, you yeah. get, like, the John Wilkes booth. Um, yeah. The cool, like, three-syllable thing, letters. I forget what letters and syllables are. Rhymezone's going to take back their <laughs> sponsorship. Well, yes, you think that she hasn't earned being an MTG. It's also frustrating because that's just a subject line abbreviation for meeting. <laughs> and so you'll see, like, MTG colon in your email from some fundraiser from some Democrat near the end of a quarter, and I'll say, MTG colon, and then something. You're like, what is this meeting about? Oh. John, it's also Magic the Gathering. It's also Magic the it's, Gathering. And it's and also it's Magic the Gathering. Thank you, yes! I knew a crowd who was here on a Friday night would maybe like a Magic yes. the Gathering joke. <laughs> well, it's Magic the Gathering, and now it's time to uh, tap your action card, and I can't remember now. Yeah, I played I'm, it. I'm not a big fan. I'm going to give her a four, but... That's more on me than it is on her. I, I, like, if Just you're going through drop. history trying to be like, who are these people like m mapping them accurately? Like, I'm gonna, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. Here's the thing is it's hard. Let's do uh, conservative operative and Clarence Thomas's earthmate, Ginny Thomas. <laughs> Pro, Ginny Thomas successfully escaped a self-help cult in the 1980s. Hey. Or did she? The... Uh... <laughs> Also, another pro, Clarence Thomas is a resolute wife guy, even knowing his wife's efforts could affect him in public eye, so Ginny Thomas must be, uh, you know, they have a good relationship. They seem to really love each other. Well. That's right. That's right. I think they're a great couple. They support each other in their jobs. They have complementary, yet very distinct careers. They both want to overthrow the government, but they work toward it in different ways. They're really aligned on their political values, yeah, you know? Well, I think she's more like a big overthrow, and he's more of an undermine. I yes. think, like It's an inside-outside game. Yeah. On the other hand, 78 amicus briefs filed to overturn Roe v. Wade. Ginny Thomas has ties to a group that wrote 34 of them. <gasps> what do you think? That's too many. I think it's too many. <laughs> also, her text to Mark Meadows. I think one aspect of like the Trump years has been I always used to think oh some of these people put on a show for the cameras but they're much more reasonable or controlled behind the scenes like they say these wild accusations on camera but then behind the scenes they're more circumspect she texts exactly as you'd expect the public persona of Ginny Thomas to text like it's just off the walls like I found a ballot in Arizona why aren't we doing things why aren't about we this? doing anything 
And you know Mark Meadows has to respond because it's like, I can't get on the bad side of Ginny Thomas. Her husband is fucking Clarence Thomas. No, if I were Mark Meadows, I would get an Android. Because you don't see the bubble come in. You yeah. don't see the typing thing. Because I would have to type and like respond and come up with something. And I'm assuming in this scenario that Ginny Thomas has an iPhone. I have this rich, fleshed out scenario in my mind where she's got an iPhone. Mark Meadows has an iPhone. And one of the worst things for him when he gets a text from her is she's going to see delivered and then read and then like him typing. <laughs> and he should get an Android. Sponsor me, Android. <laughs> Mark Meadows should have had an Android. I completely agree. Uh, but we're going to need an answer. What do you think? Are we dealing with a girl boss? Are we dealing with a... Is she going to get an episode of Gutsy? You know, I don't think she's a girl boss because she's behind a man. And she's trying to do all this girl boss stuff. But, like, did the insurrection succeed? No. It didn't. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And but a failed girl boss is a girl boss nonetheless. Yeah. I'm going to give her a one. We're giving her a one. So we're going to call her a failed girl boss. Finally, we have Scylla, a whirling monstrous hellmouth across the river <laughs> from her counterpoint, Charybdis who attempts to drag Odysseus and his men to their doom. Pro, people don't often ask, how did Scylla become so monstrous? <laughs> Why? Odysseus doesn't care, but we do. It's because she had the audacity to say no to a man. Glaucus, the marine god and nascent incel, tried to use a love potion to get Scylla's affections, which raises obvious consent issues. But those issues never came into play because Circe poisoned Scylla because she, Circe, loved Glaucus, who isn't some great catch anyhow. Yeah. So, and so then her lower half became dogs? Yes, uh, that is a con. Uh, she ate six of Odysseus' sailors, and her body does have barking dog heads surrounding her lady parts. Okay. Uh, that is a con, but also pro, her body has barking heads yeah. of dogs surrounding yeah. her lady parts, yeah. which is fucking cool. There's like a tasteless joke involving cats and dogs that people can fill in here. Fill um, that in yourselves at home. That's part uh, of it. Just, it's, it's, it's a thinker. The, <laughs> use, the, use the little notepad we give you with the spaces to fill things in with each episode. Yeah. That's so thoughtful. That's such that a nice touch. People can play along at home. That. Yeah. No, I feel like Greek mythology is just rife with this kind of thing. There was a great article in the New York Times recently about this painting of Zeus, and they had the caption that said, Jupiter, comma, a serial abuser. And I'm just like, yes, finally we're coming for Zeus. It's the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. The woke police have canceled Poseidon. Yeah. Yeah, he can take that trident and yeah. give it to if someone Poseidon, different. Who's give next? it to Amphitrite. Yeah, who's no, Amphitrite's complicit. <laughs> are we not even going to talk about what happened to Persephone? Are we just not even oh, going to? Are we not? Oh my God. Oh, or you're not ready to have yeah, that, that conversation? That's, that's, that's dubious consent at best. At best. Um, no, and I think, like, Apollo, Cassandra, the whole, like, literally, Apollo gave her this shitty gift because he was like, hey, like, he was trying to, you know, get it on in a way, and I don't know why I'm like, I suddenly became, Very like, a, a mom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess I am a mom, technically, but I still, like, say fuck around the house, I'm cool and stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, a we're cool. Apollo, he tried stuff, and she wouldn't have it, and so he cursed her with, like, you're gonna never be believed, which is so on the nose. Wow, so you're going to tell people what happened and no one's going to believe you. Thanks, Apollo. And then, several thousand years later, people on Twitter still say, Hillary warned us. It's very on the nose for a myth, I'll give it that. We never talked about Helen of Troy. Maybe a girl boss, maybe, anyway. Uh, uh, well, Helen of Troy, yeah. Maybe, mm, yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, so now, one final note is that uh, Charybdis obviously was the more dangerous of the two, famously. It was safer to go by Scylla, because if you went by Charybdis, your whole ship got sunk. Right. But Scylla would just eat five or six of your men, which yeah, is obviously yeah. a tough conversation before the day you sail out. <laughs> so what do you think? Girl boss, episode of Gutsy, Wing Conference Room, or Hall of Shame? I'm 
going to give her like a zero. I like Scylla. I'm all about this gal. Yeah. We think Scylla She's is not just, on the chart. She, Scylla's not even on the chart. Scylla did nothing wrong. She was just poisoned and turned into a monster that eats Odysseus's men. Yeah. And no. they weren't so great. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Uh, agree with you about Odysseus was a complicated man. Uh, we all think that. I can't believe we got into all the Greek mythology because... I, I cannot believe that we separately brought up a murderous countess from Hungary in the 16th century, that that came up on this stage coincidentally. <laughs> that name, that countess, has never been discussed in any live podcast in the history of the world. It came up twice. Yeah. Tonight. Although I'm sad we didn't talk about Bloody Mary because I feel like she did the girl paws like trifecta or difecta. I can only think of two things. She both burned like 300 people at the stake, not personally, but like caused to be burned. Sure. And there's a brunch drink named after her. Thank you, Alexandra Petri. Check out her column and check out her book, AP's U.S. History Important American Documents I Made Up. She's so funny. Thank you so much for being here. When we come back, I torture Hallie and Brian. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com, and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Are you like me and tracking the polls obsessively this election year? Well, Dan Pfeiffer's right there with you, and he's taking them seriously, but not literally. Take an average of the polls. Don't forget about any one poll. And the thing that we try to tell everyone in every episode of this podcast is a poll that has Biden up to and a poll that has Biden down to, they all tell you the exact same thing, which is this is a very, very close race. The goal of this podcast is to help people understand polling and freak out about it just a little bit less. Explore the latest polls, what they actually mean, and whether or not it's time to hit the panic button. Tune into Polar Coaster with Dan Pfeiffer, Cricket's latest subscriber exclusive show. To get access, subscribe to our Friends of the Pod community only at crooked.com slash friends. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Every time we visit a new city, I have to sample the delicious local cuisine, but today we've decided to flip the script because it's time for a flavor of the city to face off against the flavor of the season. 
That's right, it's autumn in Baltimore, and it's time that Old Bay went toe-to-toe with pumpkin spice. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right, it's happening. It's happening. And who better to help us than two people who are very excited to have to say yes to this bit because they work here. Come on out, our show's head writer, Hallie, and producer, Brian. Before us, we have three kinds of food of escalating intensity to be served with Old Bay and or pumpkin spice. None of us know which spice is on which food. We will know the moment, you will know the moment that we do. (laughs) Before us, each of us has Baltimore's Burger Cookies. BurgerCookies.com has a tab called The Story, and here it is. The Burger Cookie dates back to 1853, (laughs) when German immigrant Henry Berger arrived in East Baltimore and opened a bakery, which he ran with his three sons, George, Henry, and Otto. So then I guess he made the cookie, which seems to be the chocolate side of the black and white cookie. The good side. The actual specifics about the cookie itself are scant on BurgerCookies.com. We will be adding to this storied history by enjoying a burger cookie two ways, which is what we're calling putting Old Bay and pumpkin spice on each cookie. All right, here we go. Oh, it's cinnamon. Okay, oh, good. That's really good. Oh, that's yummy. I got you. I like that. Pumpkin spice on a chocolate cookie? That's a hit. Yeah. Why not? The game is flawed. The premise of the game is deeply now, flawed. Now. And we understand that now. Everything we, we eat is going to be good. Next up, it's time for a cookie with Old Bay. I'm going to spit out this cookie. I can't. Even with the cinnamon, it was too much, so I yeah, can't only imagine. It. It's, it's bad. It's a little salty. I've got to tell you, though, shout out to the burger cookie, which is overcoming... Yeah. This is good. This is an A-plus cookie. Sorry, I can't swallow it. You guys got to get this cookie out there. This should not be Baltimore's best-kept secret. John Waters is from here. You know, Edgar um, Allan Poe. You, Edgar Allan Poe. The Baltimore accent, you guys all say Balmore, which is fun. Baltimore, to me, the accent sounds like you're a vampire from Pittsburgh. Does that make sense? <laughs> and I remember the first time I heard it, I had an old job, and the accountant was from Baltimore, and I was like, is he a count? Is he a ghost? Like, why would... What, what, what is it? It's Baltimore. Wait a second. Are these cheese fries? They're loaded fries. They're loaded fries? Oh, my God. Next up, we have loaded fries. I'm signing with Old Bay. You have to read the intro about fries I wrote. Bro. Well, I was losing my mind. Whatever person decided to pair French fries with the bracing sea air is a fucking genius. It might think, I don't know, is wearing a windbreaker as cool, wet breeze slaps against the face really French fry time? You absolutely better believe it is. Whether you're walking along Baltimore's gorgeous inner harbor or sitting in my car with the window cracked like I'm my own dog, it's always French fry time. For reasons that now seem eldritch and obscure, we will now eat fries covered in Old Bay and pumpkin spice. Open wide, it says here, my employees. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you said to us. I also right. want to say, the old band, the fries. Mwah. Good. good. Very good. Mwah. That's good. It works. You guys did it. Famously. Did you do the cinnamon? Wait, I haven't Pumpkin spice on french fries. Oh, it has cinnamon. It is a fucking miss. <laughs> that is wretched. Do not do. Don't do it. Awful. Really. Really. Vile. It's in the back of your throat. Oh my it's, god. Um, I can't breathe. I'm so sorry about the mic, Steven. It's covered. It's actually yeah, no, worse than you my think. My mic is wet. Here's the thing you have to understand it doesn't seem like it would be so bad. It is fucking awful. Wow. Really ruins everything. And finally, we've got Miss Baltimore Crabs. Allegedly, the term crab cake dates to the Crosby Gage 1939 New York World Fair cookbook. Have you guys ever heard of carinization? It's a type of convergent evolution in which a crustacean evolves from a non-crab form into a crab form. This happens so much, there's a term for it. 
We might be living in a simulation, but it's time now to simulate pleasure as we chow down on these sweet, sweet succulent crabs. That's right. We're having crab cakes two ways with Old Bay and pumpkin spice. Let's do Old Bay first, yeah. I think. I also want to say, I included the sentence at a certain point in one of the intros that says, is this even a game? And no one responded. All right, and Old here Bay we are. first. Okay. I'm excited about the Old Bay way. Oh, good. The room temperature. <laughs> Still good. Still what were you good. expecting? The Old Bay is still good. Yeah, the Old Bay is good. Old Bay and crab, two great tastes that go great together. Yeah, great. But Excellent. have they met their match? Crab cakes with pumpkin spice. What was the point of all this? Is what you're asking yourself. What was <laughs> the thought of it? Listen, we were pretty tired on the bus. <laughs> we were, <sorry. laughs> we were like, we got to do show. something. He had the wettest slice of Sparrow on the bus. Yeah, that's he right. comes out holding a piece of pizza. Just it just looks like it's like a gutter in a rainstorm. Yeah. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? It's bad with the pumpkin spice. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Not that bad. The okay, the sweetness of the crab. I don't okay, hate no. it. Honestly, I'm going back it. in. Uh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's, it's not horrible. Not that bad. Pumpkin spice crab. Please try it. No. <laughs> yeah, please, please. I'm going try back it. in for a pumpkin spice burger cookie. I gotta tell you, these burger people are leaving a lot of money on the table if they don't do this every year. <laughs> you got the McCormick's factory down the street. You throw some pumpkin spice on these bad boys. That's money in your pocket, burgers. That's free. You get the first one free from me. Nova, could you sum up what we learned, what, why we did this? Yeah, were there morals or lessons? Why you made us do this? Life is about mm-hmm. learning and growing and trying to, you know, even as we age, maintain a flexibility and creativity. What age? Uh, yeah, this is all about your stuff with aging, but okay, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> and as I've turned uh, recently for, no, what is go. it? Oh, no, you go. Oh, 40? 40? 40, yeah. Can we get I've discovered that um, I think it's important that we open our minds to the possibility that pumpkin yeah. spice on savory foods might be good. Yeah. And it isn't. Nope. Uh, well, we tried. Now we know. I also thought it would be fun, the three of us, having a little fun, eating something on a stage, and mm-hmm. uh, it mostly was. I had a fun time. It was touch and go for me. Brian and Hallie, everybody. It says here that I respect you more than anyone I've ever met, including all presidents. I wake up every morning filled with gratitude to have you around. You do wonderful work and are invaluable members of both this team and society writ large. God bless you both when we come back. The rant wheel. Yeah. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> Crooked is bringing. What? What happened to the two giant television screens we have in Los Angeles? They're there. We're a podcast. <laughs> this isn't like the fucking CNN New Year's Eve. We don't have like a. We travel with our suitcases. We get together and we figure out which two bags we're going to check. The ones with the cameras. There's no big screens. What do you think this operation is? Yeah, I wish there were teleprompters. Think I like futzing with these fucking cars everywhere I go? No, but we haven't cracked that code yet. We're working on it. I don't know how much money you think a three-quarters full thousand auditorium brings in. But it's not teleprompter money. I'll tell you that much. You want a teleprompter, email a couple friends. Tell them there's a fun show this weekend. Entitled Sons of Bitches. This we should leave in. <laughs> Crooked is bringing you the election coverage you love to hate with Crooked Radio every weekend in October on Sirius XM Progress and on the Sirius XM app. 
Join our lineup of podcast hosts, candidates, experts, and more, including Love It or Leave It, at 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern every Saturday and 10 p.m. Eastern on Sundays as we break down all the issues that matter this November, dive into the conversation shaping our current political climate, and give the only 100% correct opinions in politics. You don't want to miss this. Listen on channel 127 or subscribe now to get up to four months free of SiriusXM. See offer details at SiriusXM.com slash crooked. Also... Election Day is one month away. We're officially in the final stretch when most normal people are starting to actually pay attention to decide what they're going to do and how they're going to vote or if they're going to vote at all. If you're listening, we hope you already know how important going to vote on or before Election Day, November 8th, will be. So now we need to get your help to get other people out to vote. Face-to-face conversations are the most effective way to make a difference on the margins in the races that are going to be close. So we're asking everybody listening to sign up to volunteer to be part of Vote Save America. You really turned out in 2018. You really turned out in 2020. We need more people to show up now in 2022. A lot of you have already signed up, but we need to do even more because we're facing, obviously, a really tough environment. And wherever you live, wherever you are, there's a close race near you right now that you can drive to and help. And there are going to be elections that we are staying up late, watching the results come in on Election Day and the days after. After. We all need to go to sleep on election day knowing we did everything we can. So please go to votesaveamerica.com slash volunteer to find an opportunity near you. If you haven't signed up yet, that's fine. But now, now is the time. All right. Let's bring Dave and Alexandra back out here because it is time for the rant wheel. You now works. We spin the wheel wherever it lands. We rant about the topic. This week on the wheel, we have... When your victim's heart keeps beating beneath the floorboards, <laughs> nursery rhymes, dying under mysterious circumstances, you tell me, which is when you're going to tell me what to rant about, when there's a pendulum in your pit, when the raven won't stop tapping, <laughs> pitchfork redoing its 90s list, and getting a hard time for marrying your cousin. <laughs> All right, let's spin the wheel. It has landed on you, tell me. The Great British Bake Off. I'll talk about the Great British Bake Off (laughs) briefly. Here's what I want to say about the Great British Bake Off. I feel about Sue and Mel leaving the Great British Bake Off. I have a similar feeling I have about that. And again, this is, I have no ill will towards any new person that has been involved since the Great British Bake Off I started watching. Truly, I don't. But Sue and Mel for me were like a warm blanket, a comfort in the storm. And I feel the same way about there being new Great British Bake Off hosts as I do about what happened when Martha Stewart went to jail. Specifically, this is what I mean by that. Which is, look, I don't know. You see what I'm like. This didn't do well in high school. You know, this wasn't something that was really popping off the popularity charts. We weren't number one with a bullet in high school. All right? We struggled. But they aired Martha Stewart every morning. And or maybe it was middle school. I don't remember the exact years. The point is, I would watch Martha Stewart because it was like this little bastion of like warm perfection that only existed on the television show, and I loved it. I'm not cooking or doing any of the things that she's doing. I'm certainly not doing anything in her wrapping paper room, that godforsaken space. And I didn't like when there were animals. I was like, I don't need fucking Jack Hanna. That's not what I'm here for. I don't know why I'm here, but it has to do with being gay. I don't totally understand why. We'll deal with that in therapy. But then when Martha Stewart got arrested, and even though I think she was railroaded, I think it was bullshit. All right. Martha Stewart's not going to bet her whole life on five grand. She's fabulously wealthy. It was stupid. Shouldn't have lied if she did lie. But I think she got railroaded. And it's like, this is who we're throwing the book at? I blame Martha- Comey for that, too. We, did, we blame sure Comey. Involved, I blame him. We also blame Comey, which doesn't get enough blame for what happened to Martha Stewart. Yeah. Coming up after yet another powerful woman. 
the thing about it was once she went to jail, it was like that was always in the back of my mind. And even though she resumed the show when she got out, the kind of like patina of perfection was gone and I like the outside world had got in. I could never watch again. That's how I feel about these new hosts on the Great British Bake Off. Like, who are you? I don't feel safe anymore. (laughs) They did a churro cooking segment years ago. And when he tasted one he liked, I vividly remember Paul Hollywood saying, now that's a churros. (laughs) And it was like, how do you get to tell people what it is when you don't know what it fucking is? (laughs) Now that's a churros. Ew, spin it again. It has landed on Pitchfork redoing its 90s list. Yeah. I think Dave suggested that. Yeah, I got this. I don't know how many people are angry about this in the audience. If it's just me, I apologize. But that list was an insult to everyone who dressed like Jeremy Corbyn when they were 18. This is the third time Pitchfork has done this, where they have gone back to the 90s and said, oh, you know what, we rethought it. Half of the stuff that we said was the best music of that period actually wasn't the best. Or it was like 20 places in the list, less good. And what was the best song of the 90s was Mariah Carey. What was like the 20th, I think. Best song was uh, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. And it's this refinement culture, this smoothing everything out so that if you had a taste that was a little bit out of the poptimism mainstream, you should be ashamed if you liked pavement. That was problematic. It turns out you should have been in to like SWV and cool 90s pop. And it's all poptimism. I get it. It's kind of recasting. They've done this with with their older views where they gave stuff zero and they're like, well, that was mean. We're going to give it a better review. We're going to say Taylor Swift was better than we thought she was. I have nothing against Taylor Swift. You better not. No, no, she's great. But I want consistency. If Pitchfork is bailing on like 90s sad core suicide music, and instead advancing like, oh, everyone should dance to the songs you dance at weddings at from the 90s. That's ridiculous. We need some website, because there's not that many left. We need some website that covers music to just be consistent and be sad 90s sweater music was good. It was the best. And they don't do it anymore. They've all gone full pop. So... There was a list of 90s music. Right. There were several. Well, I'm they don't, they don't delete myself, the old one, do they? They leave the old one up. They don't just erase it from the internet. It's not like... You can still like, find it. You have to go it to the takes like three archive. clicks now. It used to take one. Yeah. So they just sort of said, like, hey, we've thought about it, and here are the things we like more now and like less. Rolling Stone did this, too, and there's this like smoothing out of the canon every few years where people... like It's okay when Sight and Sound does it. Every 10 years, we're going to ask like French critics, like, you still like that one Godard movie? And they're like, we... And, then, and, the, and the, they, they still put it number one. They keep expanding the pool music critics, but the thing they're doing is saying the last era of, like, cool... Because I'm not, like, a rock to mist. I like modern pop music, too. But somebody needs to, like, wave the candle. You know, the candle from the cover of uh, Daydream Nation. Somebody needs to wave that one candle and keep some appreciation for, like, weird, pathetic 90s music. Because I, I grew up on it. I watched VH1 while waiting for the bus at my middle school. We all did. That's a relatable story. And, and there was this music we discovered that was not the popular stuff. What they're doing is throwing that out and saying, no, actually, if it was popular, it was like better than, than like the weird album that we liked 15 years ago. I don't like that. Was that yeah. a rant? I don't know how to rant. I usually just post. No, no, I'm into it. I'm into it. Let's spin it again. It has landed on nursery rhymes. Oh, I was hoping it was when your victim's heart keeps beating, because I could actually whip up a rant on that. Uh, no, I do have a... I'm, I'm going to do my scheduled rant, which is about nursery rhymes, because you know how, like, 
all of Christmas music is horrible 1950s music because boomers ruined it with their nostalgia. Sure. Well, yeah, so all Christmas music is horrible 1950s music because the boomers ruined it with their nostalgia. Famously. And that's why we're going to have to hear, like, Michael Buble doing his Uncanny Valley Frank Sinatra until the day we die because the boomers ruined it with their nostalgia. Well, you think it's bad with Christmas music. You should see the state of nursery rhymes. Have people been paying attention to nursery rhymes lately? I assume not because you're out on a Friday night after 8 p.m., <laughs> which is weird for me to be doing, but I have been paying a lot of attention to nursery rhymes because I've got a baby now. Thank, and thank goodness that you do, because otherwise it would be strange. It would be a little, <laughs> yeah. Like Dolly Parton sends you a book, and one book that Dolly Parton sends your baby is like, gotta know the nursery rhymes. And you think the 1950s is bad. All the nursery rhymes are, like, at best from the 1830s. They make no sense whatsoever. You can, like, try to make them make sense. Like, Wee Willie Winky runs through the town. Like, who is this guy? Get him out of here. You try to explain it to your child. It's like, Mary had a little lamb. Like, probably that's Jesus. Like, that's probably an allegory. Or... You know, there's an old woman. She lives in a shoe. She has so many children. She doesn't know what to do. That's life post-row. Um, that's just, like, setting you up. But, but the rest of them don't make any sense. No, they're even, they get worse. Because, like, they're all, like, you Google them. And it's like, tell me what the fuck is going on with Humpty Dumpty. And Google, like, knows that you're going through this because it gives you an answer that's, like, not helpful but also just confusing. So it'll be like, actually, Humpty Dumpty's a cannon. <laughs> well, that doesn't explain things to me. Little boy blue, they're like, this might be Cardinal Woolsey. It's like, it might? Why is this helpful? It's 200 years from any of these political figures that ostensibly the nursery rhymes are about relevance. And they're all British political figures. It's like we're in space, the year is 2200, and we're sitting there reciting to our children, being like, Jeb Bush said, please clap, please clap, but we didn't want to. Let's spin it one more time. It has landed on when the heart won't stop fucking beating. <laughs> it has landed on the heart won't stop beating and Chris Pratt as Mario. Let's put them together. <laughs> Let's see what happens. So here's the thing. I killed someone and I buried them under the floorboards of my apartment. Uh, and then a detective came to the door and I felt very guilty about it. Uh, and then he comes in, and I say, hold on one second. A friend of mine just sent me a text. Let's see what it is. Oh, it's a trailer. It's a preview trailer <laughs> for the new Super Mario movie that I say Mario because I'm from Long Island. And I play it, and then Chris Pratt is just doing a completely normal voice. It's just Chris Pratt. What is Chris Pratt's take on Mario? Chris Pratt's take on Mario is it's Chris Pratt. But then I got to thinking, there is no acceptable voice that Chris Pratt can do. <laughs> There's nothing that he can do. He was doomed from the start. He was doomed from the very start. Because do you think we'd be having a different conversation if Chris Pratt was doing the fucking Italian bigoted voice that we've all come to know and love? The kind of like fucking pizza box as a voice that came out of uh, Nintendo in the 80s? I don't think so. So Chris Pratt couldn't win. But that's why it should never have gone to Chris Pratt. I have nothing against Chris Pratt. And I think, actually, I'm part of the backlash to the backlash. That's right. <laughs> but so... <laughs> because 
Because I don't think Chris Brad, people turn on people, and I don't totally understand it sometimes, and it's a little bit of a pylon thing, like, I think a lot of people pretend to not like James Corden secretly, on some level. Oh, you're mad he gets parts? That's not his fault. The point is, the detective is here, I'm very nervous, because I'm guilty for what I've done, which is murder someone. I'm realizing now I've retained very few details of the story of the Telltale Heart, other than there's a body under the floorboard and a detective comes and they can't stop the beating of this hideous heart. But it wasn't really beating. <laughs> I think that Hollywood needs to stop putting celebrities in voice roles because it doesn't make any sense. You don't need Jack Black to be Bowser. You just need somebody who has a really good voice actor to be Bowser. We used to have really amazing voice actors do all of these parts. All of our favorite Disney movies until Robin Williams was the fucking genie and everything got fucked up because Robin Williams was the fucking genie and everyone's like, that's it. From now on, they've got to be someone as famous as Robin Williams. Otherwise, people won't go. Then all of a sudden, you have Ice Age, Ice Age 2, Ice Age 3. One of the favorite things that I've ever seen in my life was uh, Ray Romano, Queen Latifah, and John Leguizamo doing an interview on the early show or one of those morning shows. And the host of that morning show has uh, John Leguizamo, Ray Romano, and Queen Latifah sitting in a row. The stories that just come out that each of these persons have received about 10 to $15 million to reprise their role as Squidgy, Joe, Mayor, I don't know their fucking names. And the four of them are sitting there at 7.30 in the morning, and the host asks each of them, so what keeps bringing you back to performing as these characters <laughs> in the Ice Age? And the four of them just wanted to shout from the top of their lungs at 7.30 in the morning, money, you dummy, it's money, we're doing it for money. Anyway, I confess to the murder. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> One more time for Dave Weigel and Alexandra Petri. When we come back, we want to hear your high notes live. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Stupid rant that was. And we're back. Here's how it works. Brian and Kendra are going to be out there with microphones. If you have a high note, something that gave you hope, please line up on either side of the stairs to share your high notes. What's your name? What's your high note? Hi, I'm Eric. I will say it's been great to be back on this campus for the first time in six years since I graduated in this room. And it's, um, it's been a little, it's been a while. It's been a really shitty six years, to say the least. But it's good to be back on Goucher's campus. Great. Well, thank you, Eric. Hi, what's your name and what's your high note? Will. Hi, Will. Uh, hi. Uh, so I recently started a new role at Jewish Community Services here in Baltimore to help Holocaust survivors get medical aid. Uh, and I'm just really excited to get started with that. So I work with the Kavod program uh, with Jewish Community Services, and we help work with the German Claims Conference to help provide medical aid and funding for Holocaust survivors. Wow. And I'm just starting a role there. That's great. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Eric. Hi, what is your name and what is your high note? Hi, my name is Maria. Um, I'm a middle school teacher. Um, this is my... <laughs> um, I turned 28 this week. I'm here with my dear friend, Emily, who introduced me to this show after its first episode. Um, and I've been listening since then. And my f darling friend, Elizabeth, got us these tickets for my birthday this week. And I'm so happy to be here because it's also my first night out since having a baby nine months ago. Wow. Maria, thank you. Hi, what's your name? What's your high note? Hi, my name's Morgan. I'm here with my girlfriend and her roommate, and we're all teachers in Baltimore. Um, so shout out to the other teacher. 
Um, and it's just, well, I guess this doesn't sound very high, but it's been a hard week. But we ended with the pep rally today, and it was good, and it was fun, and it's a hard job, but they're doing a really good job, and everybody's doing a good job, and we love kids. What do you teach? English. 10th grade English. What are they reading right now? We just got a new curriculum. So they're just reading, like, I'm not going to talk shit about the curriculum right now, because I want to keep my job and stuff, but um, they're reading a bunch of articles. We're talking about rhetoric, ethos, pathos, logos, all that good stuff. Hell yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thanks. Hi, what is your name? What is your high note? Hi, I'm Katie, um, and my high note is this week I found out that I get to be an election judge this coming election, and I go to my training tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you for doing that. And hey, if you go to votesaveamerica.com, you can sign up through every last vote to volunteer. I was doing calls in PA to get poll observers, and everybody can sign up to do these kinds of things, and we really need them. We really need people to sign up and be poll watchers, poll observers, because, uh, you know, there are a bunch of fascists on the other side, so we've got to keep our heads on a swivel. Thank you so much. Hi, what's your name? What is your high note? Hi, I'm Keith, and I want to talk about food trucks. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So I just wanted to say, last time I saw Kendra was three years ago before the pandemic, and we had planned to go see Love It or Leave It Live in L.A., and John Lovett got sick, canceled the show. So we we didn't go see John Lovett. So three years later, post, well, post pandemic, uh, Kendra and I got to see a Love It show. So here we are. And you knew each other before today. You're friends. We're friends. But how do you guys know each other? How do we know each other? How do we know each other? The internet, I guess. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm sorry That's I was all. sick. I remember that. It was only the, I, by the way, also, it was at the improv. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was like maybe the only show till COVID we ever canceled. I think I canceled one show. And I'm sorry. And that's the one. That's it. I well, now we're here. Should have powered through. Well, good now to have you. Now we're here. All the way in Towson. All the way in Towson, which we love. Great Cheesecake Factory. Hi, what's your name? What is your high note? Hi, my name is Katie. Uh, my high note is I am a, a PhD student in sociology and criminology at University of Delaware. Nice. A lot of work. <laughs> um, but this week I found out that I got a conditional pass on my um, first comprehensive exam, um, which was a huge win for me um, because I thought I was going to fail, but I didn't. Nice. Um, <laughs> it's a wait, sorry, before you go on, conditional pass means you have to make some changes? Yes. But what are those changes? Are they, are they doable? I just have to like do some edits and it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Not so. a lot of conditions. No. <laughs> it feels like a pass. Yes. You're going to yes. pass. It is a pass in, cool. my, in my mind. In what my are the mind, edits? So. One step closer to the PhD. What'd you get? What, what, what was, so what, why couldn't they just give you the pass? What, what, are they, what, are they, what are these hoops they're making you jump through? It's all subjective grading with like old heads in the department. Fucking so classic. It's, it's just, all politics. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> It's a win. It's a high note for me. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Congratulations. But I want to know what the paper was in. What was the paper in? Uh, so it was a sit-down exam where I had to write for six hours straight about the subject of criminology. What were your conclusions? The field sucks, and it's androcentric, and uh, white men control everything. Wow. They're like, it's conditional. <laughs> yeah. They pass you. Everybody here passes you. What is your name? What is your high note? Hello. Um, My name is Izzy, and about four years ago, I started working on a political docuseries for Showtime, and I started at, like, the bottom of the food chain, and we just started up with our election block, and I am officially a full-fledged producer on the show, so... (laughs) 
That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. What's your name? What's your high note? Uh, hi, my name is uh, Kwame, and I'm a proud graduate of Baltimore Public Schools. Um, nice. Yeah, like, uh, shout out to the teachers. A lot of my friends are teachers, um, and I've been trying to think what did I want to do to like kind of hop out in the city and like do things for the schools. And we actually have an open school board seat, so a couple of my teachers convinced me to go out for it. So I'm really excited to start trying to put that together and get on the Baltimore school board and make some changes. Awesome, Kwame, that's great. Yeah, let's go. Everybody vote for Kwame. Yeah, thank you. Once we find out what's what he's appointed, for. but we're gonna make it work. Yeah. Hi, what's your name? What's your high note? Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm here with my friend Jessie, who we know each other from Peace Corps, and she just passed her NCLEX, so she's a nurse. But this is not her high note. This is my high note. Fuck yeah. Uh, so Eat shit. I, <laughs> eat shit. Uh, like a year and a half, I was living in L.A., really unhappy, left my partner, left my job, left. It was before the great, what's it called, resignation was cool. I started that. Um, really had no plan, moved back to New York, started a marketing agency, started uh, taking classes full-time in science, and still had absolutely no plan. And then just a couple months ago, phased out some of my clients and started Johns Hopkins nursing program. So this is just a little reminder that even if you're 30, you can do a career pivot you can chase your dreams, and shout out that Crooked Coffee is one of my clients. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Hi, what is your name? What is your high note? Hi, I'm Hannah. Um, so I just recently left a job that I was unhappy at and started at the Department of Energy in the Wind Technologies office, and so I'm going to be helping to, on the path to net zero. Um, That's great. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Hi, what's your name? Hi, my name is Rita. Hi, Rita. This is my sixth time seeing you. Three oh PSAs goodness. and three. I know, I love you so much. I want to thank. I want to thank you. I had a, I had a really tough time during COVID, and the high notes, really helped me. So thank you. I'm super excited cheerleader right now. But um, so I just want to say on November eighth, this applies to everybody in this room except me because I live in the District of Columbia and I don't have a voice or a vote. But you all do. And so on November 8th, we are going to elect the first black governor of Maryland, Westmore, the first Indian American female lieutenant governor, Aruna Miller, the first black attorney general, Representative Anthony Brown, and the first female comptroller, which I don't really know what that is, but it's Brooke Learman. And you should vote for her because they're all fantastic. And I need you guys to have Wes on PSA. Please, please, please. Have Wes on PSA. Oh, yes, yes, we'll help. Okay, okay. Thank you, Rita. Vote for Wes Moore and Aruna. Thanks for sharing. Thanks to everybody who shared those high notes. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, call us at 323-538-2377. That is our show. Thank you so much to Dave Weigel and Alexandra Petri. Thank you so much to everybody that came out tonight. This is so much fun. There are 28 days until the midterm elections. Have a great night and have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you all so much. Thank you for coming. Love It or Leave It is a Cricket Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett. Kendra James is our executive producer. Brian Semmel is our producer. And Malcolm Whitfield is our associate producer. Holly Keeper is our head writer. Sarah Lazarus, Jocelyn Coffin, Pulavi Gunalan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Bill Lance is our editor. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Caroline Haywood, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Narmel Conian, Zuri Irvin, and Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote for film and editing video each week so you can and you can find these glorious videos 
at youtube.com slash crookedmedia.